This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today, Jamie, we are going back to basics. That's right, Jim. We're in the heart of summer, which for a lot of folks means it's time to go out camping. For some people who go camping all the time and have their setup pretty much dialed in, it's pretty straightforward. You know, throw your camp gear and your supplies in your car and you're you're good. But for those with less experience, camping can be pretty intimidating. Yeah. What do I pack? Uh, How warm should I dress? What do we eat? And of course... How do we set up that tent again? So, you know, it's a lot to handle for folks who don't do this a lot. And we're here to help you through the basics. Before we get into it, we should say that everyone has their own preferences and personal considerations to make while camping. This advice isn't necessarily universal, so be sure to adapt it to fit your own needs. And for those of you who already have plenty of camping experience, I'd encourage you to stick with us today as we talk about the basics, and hopefully you can learn a little something about how we do it. Yeah, and I should say too, we're just a couple of guys who like to go outside and aren't necessarily like the foremost authorities on outdoor recreation. For example, Jamie, uh, for all the stuff that I like to do outside, you know, most of my hobbies are outdoors. I don't own a tent. What? (laughs) I don't. I don't own a tent. And I have been mooching off others' tents for years. And uh, I actually have a request out right now. Uh, This morning, I texted a buddy and said, hey, man, can I borrow your tent later this week? (laughs) I I have never bought one. I had one in my possession for a little while uh, after I moved to Portland. And uh, it was my buddies, and I uh, ultimately ended up giving it back to him. Uh, but I don't own a tent. So there are definitely things that, uh, you know, I'm not a professional on. That's for sure. And that's most things, if we're being honest. But uh, I feel like I can get around okay uh, going camping. Well, that's what matters, Jim. I mean, I, look, I, I'm also not, you know, a super experienced camper. I didn't start camping, you know, regularly until my mid-20s. So I don't really have like a a lifetime of experience. I didn't grow up as a kid going camping with my family or anything like that. When I was a kid, I went camping with Boy Scouts a couple of times. And to be honest, I hated it. It wasn't until I became an adult and moved out West and started doing it as a way to, 
go on vacation and to get back into nature mm-hmm. that I really fell in love with it. So these things that I've learned have come through just the experiences of my adulthood of learning and figuring it out and just going out there and making it happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jamie, why don't we just hop right to it here? The big question I think a lot of folks have is where do I go and how do I get a site? So Jamie, you're the pro at this really. You for work go book campsites, set up trips. How do you usually do it? People ask me this all the time. They they want advice on where to go camping. And what I usually ask people when they bring this up to me is, do you want to go to the coast? Do you want the mountains? Do you want the forest? Do you want the desert? Because in Oregon, we're fortunate to have all of those ecosystems. And the first thing you need to figure out is, what do I want? Do I want to sit by a lake with a view of Mount Hood? Do I want to go hang out in the sagebrush? Um, do I want to go out and look at the ocean? And from there, you can find established campgrounds where you have, you know, typically at least a vault toilet or a bathroom, running water, um, set up campsites with fire rings. If you're just getting into camping, you want to look for campgrounds like that, where you have some resources there and you don't have to completely rely on being out in the wilderness. So you're in Oregon, you're looking at either Oregon State Parks or you're looking at typically uh, the U.S. Forest Service or sometimes the Bureau of Land Management for those different campgrounds. And each one will have a different kind of reservation system. The general rule of thumb, if you want to reserve a campground in, in Oregon is to do it early, mm-hmm. especially if you're looking to go on the weekends or you're looking to go in peak season, say in late spring or in the summertime. You really want to book it as soon as you can, as far out as you can. And if you can't do that, then try to book something on a weekday. That's always a really easy way to get into some of these more popular campgrounds um, without having to worry about crowds and reservations and that sort of thing. Yeah. And and simply uh, another option there, too, is to go someplace less popular. Oregon and the Northwest are full of many, many good options. And just because it's not on some list as the best or top five or whatnot doesn't mean you won't have an amazing time out there. Um, So reserving is one option. And then dispersed camping is another. So essentially finding a spot that is, you know, in most cases, Jamie, something like a pullout along the side of the road that has clearly been used for camping on U.S. Forest Service land or a backcountry campsite uh, that has been kind of set up and deemed, you can tell it's a place where people pitch their tents and spend some time. Um, What's your experience been like uh, kind of nabbing those dispersed spots? It's really hit or miss, and it really depends on who else is trying to get there. So holiday weekends, those are going to be a lot harder to find. Um, Hunting season, a lot of those spots uh, along the forest roads, like you said, are hunting campgrounds. So once you get into like elk hunting season, especially out here, A lot of those are going to be started to fill up from people who go there seasonally every year. Um, You know, backpacking trails, again, it depends on the trail, depends on the time of year, depends on the day of the week. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's really hit or miss. And you really have to go with the idea that you might not get a spot. Yeah. Um, And again, if you're starting out camping, I wouldn't recommend going for the dispersed camping because it, it means again, that you're going to have to rely on just that that wilderness area you're not going to have a bathroom most likely and you're not going to have um you know resources running, running water. water and you're going to have to bring more 
to it. Mm-hmm. So I'd really recommend people who are just getting started camping to really go to those developed campsites instead. Yep. And and the way to do that, Jamie, I can speak maybe to, to federal land. And if you want to talk about the state parks booking process, but to reserve a campground on, say, Bureau of Land Management uh, land or on U.S. Forest Service land, you would go on to recreation.gov. And that's a, a portal for loads of different properties from cabins to campgrounds, you name it, uh, that you can reserve a spot at a time. And like Jamie said, oftentimes the best way to handle it is to hop on there well in advance of when you actually want to take your trip. And for example, when I wanted to book a fire lookout, uh, one of the very popular fire lookouts for an episode of the Peak Northwest video series, I hopped on in July to book a spot in the fire lookout for, I think it was January or early February. Um, but I was like six months out. And, you know, that's just kind of what you have to do sometimes to hit some of those most popular spots. So for federal land, hop on recreation.gov, snoop around, see what you can find and book early. It's pretty much the same story for Oregon State Parks. You can go online to OregonStateParks.org and just go to the campground that you want to stay at. And there's usually a button there that says reserve and you can go through that process. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Now, typically the Oregon State Parks Department allows you to have a pretty long window of reservations. It's usually a nine month window you can make in advance. Of course, since they're reopening the campgrounds during the coronavirus pandemic, they've shortened that. Um, pretty substantially to only about two weeks in advance. I think they're starting to open that window up a little bit more to maybe closer to a month in advance. But that's something to know that right now, if you're trying to book campsites for the summer, it's you can get a shorter window to do so, um, but it's going to be you and everyone else mm-hmm. who booked them nine months before this whole pandemic started. For sure. And once you have your spot or a spot that you are going to try to go nab, a dispersed site or something like that, you have to run through, okay, what am I going to bring on this trip? And of course, that's going to depend on where you're going, what you're doing. So you're going up to Mount Hood uh, area in October. You're probably going to need some warmer clothes than if you're going to, uh, let's say, uh, the Bend area in July. But by and large, Jamie, you can set up kind of your standard things that you're going to bring no matter what. And we're talking tent camping here. We're talking semi-established sites where you're going to be able to have a fire ring, uh, maybe a picnic table, uh, hopefully someplace to do your business, uh, whether that's a pit toilet, outhouse, uh, campground, bathroom, something like that. Um, Just speaking to kind of what my tent and sleeping setup is for when I go out to an established campground like this or a dispersed spot. Um, where I don't have to hike into the backcountry. I'm going to, you know, bring stuff to make myself comfortable because I don't have to haul all that gear anywhere. So I'm going to bring a tent. It's going to be someone else's, uh, but I'm going to bring it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to buy one someday. So I'm going to bring a tent that doesn't have to be anything fancy because we're not hauling it anywhere. You know, I have a friend who he has a nice, fancy mountaineering tent that was a, a big purchase and something kind of a a specialty item. And then he has an older, bigger, kind of heavy, not high top of the line tent that he uses for stuff like what I just described. When you can drive to your campsite, 
So there's no need to have the latest and greatest tent when you roll up and are just going to go, you know, pull into a campsite and do some camping. I also bring a pretty warm sleeping bag, even in the summer. Uh, You know, rarely am I upset that I have a warmer bag than I necessarily need. And I don't know about you, Jamie, but when a bag says it's rated down to, let's say, 30 degrees or 25 degrees, I've still had some chilly nights uh, in bags that are well rated for the temperature that I've been in. So my advice would be when in doubt, try to pick up or borrow a bag that's a little bit warmer than you think you're going to need. Yeah, I would agree with that. Get a good sleeping bag and get a good sleeping pad mm-hmm. too. I think that the other part, so you've got your tent, yep. you've got your sleeping bag. I think the two accessories that um, you definitely need are what goes underneath you on the ground. Um, one thing that I think a lot of people who especially don't uh, have as much experience camping tend to overlook is having a ground tarp or a footprint underneath of your tent. It's something that like, even if the ground is dry, even if it's not going to be wet, I like to have one underneath my tent anyway, because typically just the heat of the body and the cold of the night makes some moisture build up underneath your tent. I also like to put down, like I've got a car blanket that I like to just keep my car mm-hmm. basic blanket that I like to put underneath of my sleeping pad just to keep that sort of that the ground of the tent just a little bit warmer and a little more comfortable. To me, that's that's just a little nice piece of comfort to have if I'm going to mm-hmm. be able to drive up to my campsite. Um, and then you want a sleeping pad that is comfortable for you. You know, I've, I only have one sleeping pad. It's a backpacking sleeping pad. Um, I, I'm at the point now where I feel like I would like to get something a little bit more comfortable for car camping because it's, you know, it, it's not great. It's not a great, um, experience for my back. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm getting older, I'm finding that I just want a little more comfort while I'm out there. And I think this is a theme that that's probably going to come up as we talk today is, do what's comfortable for you. If you have the luxury to drive up to your campsite, then by all means, bring some comfort items. There's no need to put yourself through torture if it's going to be cold or if it's going to be damp. Bring some good blankets. Mm -hmm. Bring some good comfort. Really make sure that if you're going to be sleeping on the ground outside, that you can do so comfortably. And I would say, for example, that tip about bringing a blanket to lay down just under your sleeping pad. That's huge. Uh, I actually have, I've never thought to do that before. And that's a no brainer, right? To just be able to insulate a little bit. I just last weekend was on a, I was out on a climb, got back to our trailhead very late. I was doing a little sleep in your car situation. And I have a couple different sleeping bags and chose to pack the nice roomy flannel one, the really enjoyable car camping bag. And I, I kind of snuggled in into it for the night and I'm like, man, I am cold. I know I'm going to be cold tonight. <laughs> I had a warmer sleeping bag and I chose not to bring it. And so the way that I kind of self-remedied that situation is I, I also keep a blanket in the car, you know, just in case I need it and pulled that out and kind of did the the self burrito, right? Uh, just kind of roll, mm-hmm. roll that, bl- you know, roll up in that blanket, get inside the sleeping bag got in there and slept like an absolute rock. I was out. (laughs) I wouldn't say it is common to sleep all the way through the night all the time uh, while in the car. So I was very pleased with that uh, because I remedied a situation of, man, this night is not going to be super fun to out like a light 
till like 7.30 the next morning. So the point is of that like two minute story or whatever it was is bring the extra stuff in your car. You know, if you've got the space, bring it. And the essentials, of course, tent, sleeping bag, sleeping pad, and then some extra layers uh, to be able to keep yourself warm through the night. Yeah. One thing we didn't mention is pillow. Mm. Um, That's something that is, again, it really varies person to person. Um, I have just like a, a, a sort of a general firm ish throw pillow that I, it's small that I take if I'm car camping. Usually I also have an inflatable pillow that I take if I'm backpacking, you know, whatever is comfortable to you again, just bring a pillow that you don't mind putting in a tent and that you don't mind necessarily if it might get a little dirty, throw it in there and really just make sure that you're, you're going to be comfortable while you're sleeping. Yeah. I've got my old, an old pillow just from my bed where if I am car camping, I'm going to bring it because it's way more comfortable than like balling up a puffy jacket or something and putting it in the stuff sack. Like if there's one thing that makes or breaks the sleeping experience, other than just being cold in general, it is having something to be able to support your neck. And if you can avoid it, balling stuff up and putting it under your head is is not the best option, though I'll admit I do that when I'm in the backcountry. So... Yeah, I've been there. We've all been there. You know, I know some people who really kind of take pride in the idea of like, oh, yeah, I just fold up my jacket and I'm fine. And if you can be comfortable, good for you. But like, I, I would say if you if you don't have to rough it like that, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Jamie's an <laughs> you advocate know? for self-care here. He says, yes, don't don't do that to yourself. Let's Let's be honest. I mean, it's not it's not comfortable to sleep outside if you're not used to it. It's not comfortable to sleep on the ground. If you're not used to it for me, if I'm camping for like, say three nights, the first night is usually pretty rough and I don't get much sleep. And it takes to the second or third night for me to really feel comfortable enough to get a full night of sleep. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So we've got our kind of generic tent camp setup. We're we're good on that here. We want to touch briefly on two things that we have already discussed on Peak Northwest here on the podcast. Cooking while you're in camp. And handling your business while you're in camp. Two essentials, got to cover it, but we're going to do it quick because we've talked about these in previous episodes of the podcast. And if you're looking for more specifics, hop back in your feed and go take a listen. So, Jamie, uh, quickly, what's your cook setup uh, when you go out car camping here? Well, as we talked about in the previous episode, it's not great. It's not a great yeah. setup. <laughs> um, you know, I've got a backpacking stove. Um that I, I use, and I would really prefer to not have to use that. So, um, as Samantha Bacall advised us on that great episode about camp cooking, um, you know, bring a a better camping stove, a bigger one that you can do to cook like a real meal in. I think that's, that's ideal. Um, and bringing food, you know, that again, I would really say, go back and listen to that episode. We talked, um, at length about what kind of food to cook and how to cook it. Just really make sure that you have food that you plan in advance, that if you're going to bring anything cold to have a good cooler, that's going to keep it cold. Uh, a lot of times I just don't bring a lot of cold food because yeah. I don't want to deal with the hassle of ice and all that. Same. Um, so just consider those things. Um, don't necessarily rely on being able to keep your food cold. Um, and really you have to consider if you're out in nature, wilderness and animals, you don't want any animals coming up and, you know, stealing your marshmallows. Jim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A know, reference or- to a previous podcast episode as well. <laughs> You know, or I've heard of raccoons eating eggs or, you know, God forbid, bears. Um, 
So yeah, really just, you want to be careful with your food setup um, and plan in, in advance as much as you can. For sure. And the second half of that is a bathroom kit of some sort. So if you're going to a state park that has a full on bathroom with showers, toilet paper, and soap, I would still recommend bring that stuff with you just in case, throw a roll of toilet paper in the car, throw some towels. Again, you're driving there. So Your space may be limited, but you should be able to pack most of the things you need. Don't rely on, you know, whatever the situation is out in nature or at a state park to provide for you. Bring it with you. So that means uh, some form of hand sanitation. So whether that's soap and water or hand sanitizer, bring some toilet paper, bring something to dry your hands. You know, if you end up wanting to try to shower, bring a towel. When in doubt, throw it in the car at the risk of bringing kind of everything but the kitchen sink. Again, we're car camping here. You can drive to your spot. You don't have to carry it in. As long as you've got space in your vehicle, do it to it. I will say that bringing the kitchen sink literally is also not a bad idea. Um, They have little (laughs) foldable and collapsible sinks, um, like basins you can have. If you're going to do do a lot of cooking and you need to do some dishes, a lot of campgrounds um, don't have like a place to really wash your dishes outside mm-hmm. of maybe a spigot or two. So it's great to have a basin along, you know, a sponge, some, you know, some dish soap to be able to wash your dishes safely and easily. I've had just so many rough experiences of trying to wash dishes, um, like by headlamp, by pouring water out of my, you know, water bottle. And it's just, if you have a little basin with you, that's also extremely helpful. Much easier, uh, which kind of leads us to some of the like miscellaneous other stuff that you need or, or probably want to have. One is just, you know, I've got friends who will have like the five gallon jug of water and you can just kind of sit mm-hmm. it in your car. That's a really good one to have. I personally don't actually own one of those, but I've kind of I kind of want one. I should go get one. Bring it along a first aid kit. One that has some basics to tend to scrapes and bruises, maybe has a a couple uh, ibuprofen or something in there. Basic stuff. Maybe a a tent repair kit if that's something you're concerned about. Um, And of course, extra layers, extra clothes, things to keep you warm, happy, your sun protection, your protection from the cold, uh, sunglasses, hat, gloves if it's going to be chilly, that kind of stuff. When in doubt, again, overdress a little bit because when the sun goes down, it's probably going to be fairly chilly or at least a heck of a lot cooler than it was during the daytime. Yeah, be sure you check the weather ahead of time and look at what you're getting yourself into as far as high and low temperatures. When you're out, especially in eastern Oregon in the desert, you can have those really hot days and those really cold nights. So make sure you've got the the, the proper clothes for it. Um, And Jim, I want to just also go ahead and and really shout out that water container. I think it's a great idea. I went out and bought one last year. I went to Andy and Bax, that sort of mm-hmm. military surplus store in Portland. Um, and they've got all the prepper stuff and just, you know, got like a really cheap five gallon water container. And it's something that I keep at home filled and I can just toss in my car really quickly. It's a really great resource to have because you're not always going to have water available. Um, or even if you're out, you know, driving around and you've run out of water because it's a hot day, it's great to have that water just in the back of your car. For sure. I, I kind of breezed through the miscellaneous stuff, but uh, one additional one that comes to mind, headlamp, some some form of light, uh-huh. lantern, you know, something that you can use that's not your car, 
uh, to, to provide a little bit of light. And you're probably going to have to, if you're doing any kind of cooking, whether it's over an open fire, on a camp stove, on a bigger stove, matches, lighter, something like that, uh, to be able to, you know, start up your meal here. Yeah. Firewood um, is another great thing. They usually say to buy the firewood at the campground mm-hmm. and to not necessarily bring it like from your local grocery store to avoid spreading pests that may be in the firewood where you live. I would also say entertainment is something to consider, especially if you're out there with some some friends or some family and you're there for a few days, you know, throwing a pack of cards in or, you know, if you play music, you bring guitar or ukulele or whatever. Um, I don't know, whatever entertains you, if it's a book, something like that, just whatever you need to make sure that you're going to have a good time out there. Mm-hmm. On, on a recent backpacking trip, my my buddy Powers and I, we brought a deck of cards and we we sat down in the tent and we're like, what games of cards do we know that we can do with two people right now? <laughs> and we ended up playing war. <laughs> yeah, that's always the one. <laughs> that was about it. But guess what? We had a fun game of war in our tent and that was it. And and we had a good, good old time. And Jamie, we're going to talk a little bit more about how newer campers can be comfortable out there right after a short break. All right, folks, we are going to keep on rolling here with some more camping tips for your camping trips. And Jamie, we said earlier that camping can be a little intimidating for folks who don't do it all that much. So what are some ways that a newer camper maybe can overcome some of that? Yeah, it can be kind of tough, you know, because I think a lot of people are frankly afraid of the outdoors, you know, for good reason. We're not at a point in our society where we spend a ton of time sleeping outside, mm-hmm. we're used to our comfortable homes, or if we live in the city, we're used to sort of those comforts of the city. So it can be really difficult, I think, to first of all, get comfortable just sleeping on the ground in a tent. Um, and also at night, you hear a lot of animal sounds, oh, yeah. or maybe you hear some scurrying around your tent, or you hear some, I mean, you hear some bears. I've certainly heard some bears come to campsites before, and it can be kind of scary to, to, to be out there and to be among that. Um, so, you know, I think it definitely takes some experience, some practice of going out there and just doing it um, and accepting that you're in a place that is away from the comforts of your home. Mm-hmm. Like we said, bring as many comforts as you as you can to make yourself as comfortable as you can. But you're also in a place that is going to be different, that is going to be an experience that you're not used to. And that's something I think that you just need to, you know, embrace and kind of maybe think of it as an adventure. Mm-hmm. I think that that's helped me before or approach it with curiosity. That's another great way, I think, to move through some of the fear and apprehension that we have around this experience. Yeah. And and lower the stakes for yourself too. go to a place like we've talked about here. That's a, a very established campground, maybe closer to an established town where you can go in and grab maybe some ice for your cooler. Maybe you forgot some supplies. Maybe you need some duct tape. You can probably wander over there and find what you need. Something comes to mind too for me but that we touched on a little bit in last week's episode about becoming a, a stronger hiker, which is don't go camping just because you think you should go camping. Mm-hmm. You should go camping because you want to um, and because it's something that you you know really feel drawn to and that you might enjoy. If you go out there and you really don't enjoy it, you don't have to pressure yourself to keep doing it. 
uh, it's something that it, it's tough. You know, like, like I said, I grew up as a child really not enjoying camping. And I didn't go camping again until I was an adult because I thought, well, boy, camping's not for me. And at that time in my life, it was true. But by the time I came back around to feeling like I wanted to go camping again, it was the right thing for me. So check in with yourself and really be, I think, gentle with yourself and don't force yourself into an experience that you really dislike intensely. Of course, there's going to be some discomfort and you can work through that, but I feel like there's no need to really push yourself into a situation where you're just not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. And and one thing I would tack on to that, Jamie, is to lean on people that you trust and go with them. Go with people who maybe are a little bit more experienced uh, going out camping than you are. Maybe someone who works in your office or goes to your gym or whatever it may be. You're bound to have folks in your life who are familiar with going out camping who you can probably borrow some gear from. Or at the very least, borrow some of their expertise, which will make your first couple trips a little bit smoother. Yeah, and something we mentioned in the camp cooking episode that I love is walk before you mm-hmm. run. This is such a great sentiment. You know, you don't have to go out there and know how to do everything right away. You don't have to know how to make a great fire right away. I can't tell you how many lousy fires I made before I finally became adept at building fire. You know, it's something that you you really kind of have to learn through experience and through practice. Um, and like you said, Jim, by asking other people for help, I think that's huge. If you're going with folks who know what they're doing, ask them to show you and you take an active interest in learning so that when the time comes to go off on your own, you can do that. I think this is such a great experience and opportunity to gain comfort in nature and to learn how to you know, just enjoy the natural world a little bit more. It, it's a really wonderful experience, I think, to be out there. And if you can get over that initial barrier of fear or discomfort, then there's really a huge world of opportunity and enjoyment out there in Oregon and Pacific Northwest, especially. Yeah, so much to see, so much fun to be had. Um, Jamie, as, a, as we wrap things up here, um, just want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, uh, Kate, who gave us the idea for this camping 101 episode. Thank you. This has been fun. Uh, I picked up a tip today and I hope you all did as well. Kate, thank you so much for suggesting this episode. And I want to encourage anyone else out there who has any other questions or suggestions for us for future episodes. You can hit us up on Instagram. You can leave a voicemail for us on our podcast hotline at 503-221-4345. Or you can send an email or voice memo to podcasts with an S at Oregonian.com. And for now, folks, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our videos on the Oregonian's YouTube channel. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot News. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.